I'm just carrying on a little, a little bit from last week. We talked about, and I spoke about, us finding rest. And if you were not here last week, go and listen to that service online. That's a good word to get hold of. Sean's regularly putting them up. Thank you, Sean. And this week, it, this word will be up here as well. So I talked about rest. And I talked about finding those rhythms of grace, didn't I? And how did you get on this week with those rhythms of grace? Of trying to put things in your life to find rest. Has it got worse since you started trying to do it? Or I don't know. You know. But I want to continue what it looks like to have rest today. And a lot of stuff going on with struggles in mental health. And if you've got mental health issues, it's okay. I want you to hear that in the room and I want you to hear that out the room. Sometimes we don't talk about it. We don't know what to do about it. If you've got depression, we don't talk about it. We, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Now, we might not have all the answers, but if we talk together, we will have an answer. But I believe God gives us a bit of an answer here. And, and if you are struggling with mental health and various things that are getting you down or depression, I believe God can heal you. But I also believe as well that the pills that you are taking are helping you. So don't throw the baby out with the bathwater until you know something's totally clear. You keep taking what the doctor's told you to take. That's not in my sermon. That's for free. So let's get into the Word of God. 1 Kings 19, 1 to 16. If you want a title for the message, Avoiding Personal Burnout. So I'm continuing the sermon about rest. And if you want to know more about mental health and some what the Word of God says around it, Rick Warren, who's a pastor or used to be a pastor of a big church in America called Saddleback, he's written a load of resources and papers and things that you can read that would really help you move forward. So I've been reading some of his stuff, so some of the stuff, this one's going to be some of his thoughts, some's going to be my thoughts, but more importantly, hopefully the Holy Spirit is going to come through with the Holy Spirit's thoughts. Because it's not my thoughts, it's not Rick Warren's, it's the Holy Spirit that's going to change us. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to set us free, it's the Holy Spirit that's going to bring us rest. So 1 Kings 19, 1 to 16, or, or we'll just go a little bit further, but just stick your finger in there for me. But I want to tell you what's going on. What do you think God says about avoiding burnout? I, I believe that God does not want us to burn out. I've seen many men and women, not just on the stage, have ministries, and they have built a fantastic ministry, but they're burnt out. They've built something fantastic, secular or spiritually, but their family's neglected. I don't believe God has called us to work to a place where we burn out. I don't believe he's called us to a place to work where we neglect our families. God is very much for us having, uh, avoiding burnout. There's emotional burnout, there's relational burnout. But these issues that we are talking about in 2023 are not new. So we see this in the Bible. 1 Kings 19 is about Elijah. And we see here, in fact, let me just give you a recap just so you understand the, the, the context. In 1 Kings 18, we see Elijah, and, and go back and read this. I'm not going to read it today. Experiences this great miracle, this amazing thing from God. They had, in fact... They had a God contest on Mount Carmel. God sent fire down and the whole nation turned back to God. This is an amazing miracle. Go and read it at some point. They killed all the false prophets 
It was once in a lifetime miracle. And you see here, there's a big emotional high. When we win at life, there's always going to be a big emotional high. Whatever your thing, there's going to be an emotional high. But the problem with that, there's always a crash. So whatever success or whatever you've seen or whatever has been, at some point there's going to be a And we see Elijah is coming off the back of this fantastic victory. Here we go, scene two, the next chapter, 1 Kings 19. Queen Jezebel, the wicked queen, gets very mad. She puts a death death threat on Elijah and sends a messenger to him, telling him she's planning to kill him. Let me stop there. Do you know that the devil's out to get you? I say this every week, most weeks. Steal from you, kill, destroy. Do you know the devil is stupid enough? If you ask him, he'll reveal his plans. Just one person. If you tell the devil to reveal his plans, he's stupid enough to reveal his plans. Maybe in some of your situations, can you speak into this, God, what's going on? What's the devil doing? So that you know where to pray, so you know what to stand against. And we see this queen Jezebel, she's not happy and sends a messenger to tell him she's planning to kill him. I don't know about you. If I'm going to go and kill somebody, are you going to send a messenger? By the way, I'm out to get you. Surely you would go. But they'd sent a messenger. Devil is giving a message. And we see they're planning to kill him just a few days after this enormous miracle where the whole nation turns back to God. And we see Elijah runs for his life across the desert, hides in caves. And he's fearing, saying, God, please kill me. Let's, let's read it so we're clear. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all their prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, but ever so severely. For by the time tomorrow I do, I'm not make your life like that of one of them. So he's saying, I'm gonna, you're going to die like the prophets. Verse 3, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba and Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the desert, he came to a broom tree, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. I like this story. Have a sleep, get up and eat. This, This is the God that I serve. Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and then he lay down again. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat. I, I love this God that we serve. Twice. So he's had two naps. Get up, eat. What? Amazing. I'm loving it. And, yet, and who says that the word of God is not exciting and can't stimulate you? So the angel Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by the food. He traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Then a great and powerful wind 
Let me go back to verse 11. Sorry, I skipped there. And now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood out of the mouth of the cave. The gentle whisper was Jesus, was God speaking. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 14, he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, put your prophets to death with a sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel, king of Amram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nishma, king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Saphit from Abel, Mahalo, to succeed you as prophet. I'm going to leave it there. May God add his blessing unto his word. So what's going on here? This is a classic example of burnout. After every mountaintop, there is a valley. After every high, there is a low. With every um, success, generally there comes some sort of stress. The good news is that the Bible tells us that Elijah was just like us. We tend to think that these, these characters in the Bible were, were super men of God, were, were super amazing. They wear their underpants outside of the trousers and everything was great. And, and, you know, when they called on God, everything, Elijah just was normal. But he was used by God because he positioned himself to be used by God. But he was normal. So that gives me some, some sort of encouragement today that these great men, somebody like Elijah, who we think is, is, is a major player, He's in the cloud of witnesses cheering us on. It was just normal, like me and you. Well, some of us are normal. And I love that we can look at his life and we can see the signs of burnout. But also, we go on to see the, the cure for burnout here. You might be thinking, I don't need this message today. I'm doing okay. Great. But one day, you will need this message where I'm going today. Because we all have successes, whatever that looks like. We all have highs, but there is a time we're going to be in the lows where maybe our mental health isn't great, where our, our own understanding of who are, we are is challenged for whatever reason. Maybe we're feeling a little bit depressed over situations and we're carrying that. We've lost our joy. And I'm not confessing this over your life, but there will be times that, that this is going to happen. So what are the signs of burnout? And we see this in the scripture here in, in, in Elijah's life. And if you see and if you, can, if you can tick some of these things, you might be headed towards having a burnout. These are some of the signs you can look for in looking for a burnout. First thing we see is, this is my first kind of point, we depreciate our worth. We put ourselves down mentally. There's a little tape going around our mind saying over and over, I am nobody. My life doesn't matter. I'm insignificant. I don't count. I have no value. 
And it keeps playing over and playing over and playing over. And if you're starting to hear those kind of thoughts, you're on your way to maybe some sort of burnout. And I'm not again confessing that over you, but this is something that's going to lead to a burnout. In 1 Kings 19.4, we see Elijah comes to the broom tree, sat down under it and prayed, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. So he says here, I am no better. Just note that for a second. He is comparing himself to his ancestors and saying, I am no better than those guys. Some of his ancestors weren't amazingly great. Some weren't. That tells us that one of the first causes of burnout is comparing. When you start comparing yourself to somebody else, you're setting yourself up for emotional burnout. What we tend to do is compare our lives with the accomplishments of other people's lives. I'm not doing enough. We compare our problems and our trials with relative easy lifestyle you think somebody else is having. Have you ever thought about, I wish I had their life? They always seem to have nothing go wrong in their life. There's always something great going on in their life. We all do it, me included. Oh, I wish I'd had their life. But you don't know what that person's walking, what they're going through, just because they look good on the outside. They might be falling to bits on the inside. Just because the family looks like they're well-dressed and everything's good. You don't know what's going on behind closed doors. It doesn't matter... And that's no respect of people, poor, rich, the middle squeeze where we are, a lot of us are. Those things are going on in people's lives. And we, but we compare and we think their lives are better and this life's better and they've got a better life. And it's not the case. There's always something going on. Compare your problems, we compare our trials with, with somebody else's lifestyle. But you see... Just like us, they are just hiding something too. We get good in the world that we live in, don't we? At hiding stuff, at masking stuff. Just because they look okay doesn't mean they are okay. We compare our talents, our gifts. Think that what we've got is, 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 is nothing special compared to what they've got. And then we can move on. And one of the worst things that you can do is start comparing your expectations with the life or your life and how it's really turned out. When you start looking at the way your life turned out with the way you expected it to be, you're setting yourself up for burnout. I expected it to be like this, but actually it's gone like this. If you're comparing that, if you're looking at that, you're going to face burnout. In fact, you're setting yourself up for burnout. In fact, the word of God says this. God says this, and God is saying this over your life, over my life. If you're listening, God says, don't do it. Don't depreciate your work. Because when he died on the cross and he rose again for you, he knew exactly what you're like. He knows what you're going to be like. And he knows what you're going to be like in your future. And he says, you have still worth it. You still have value, so don't depreciate your worth. See yourself how God sees you. Once you start comparing, the second thing you start doing is criticizing yourself. You're a, your own worst critic. I, 
I'm my own worst critic. You are too. I don't need to be told if I've preached bad. I know if I've preached bad. I know if I feel I've not hit the level in something. And I beat myself up over stuff. I wish I'd said that differently. I wish I'd done that. I wish I'd done... We're our world's worst critiques. We, I don't need a wife to tell me certain things I know. You know some of the things that you walk through. But some of those things aren't as bad as you think they are. But when we're looking at ourselves in the mirror, we are the worst thing since whatever. We are, and we say this stuff over ourselves. And the worst critic lives between your ears. And will tell you, I must, I should, I have to, I ought to, I've got to. Then when it doesn't happen, happen, you have to move to phase three, to feeling guilty. About all the work you haven't got done. Do you ever have so much on your to-do list that there's no real way you're ever going to get through that to-do list? doesn't matter how hard you work, doesn't matter how smart you work, doesn't matter how restful you are, you're never going to get through that list. Vince works for Jen. That list is never ending of to-do jobs. But if you feel your life is like that, you do this list, and I'm going to get it done today. But when you don't get it all done, you feel guilty because you don't get it all done. That's setting yourself up for burnout. Number two, my kind of point here is we underrate our work. Hear what I say there? We underrate our work. In 1 Kings 19, 19, it says this, I've worked very hard for the Lord of the heavens, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, have torn down your altars. Elijah was a man of God, a teacher of truth. Yet he blamed himself for the things that weren't his fault. He was to tell the people what God wanted them to do, but they were listening and the nation was falling apart morally because they had some bad leaders. They'd brought all kinds of paganism. And you see Elijah, he's teaching, he's preaching, and they weren't changing, and he's blaming himself. How many times do we feel responsible for somebody when we've spoke something and they're not changing, they're not doing something? I feel sometimes as a pastor, I'm responsible. But then I have to be set free. I'm not responsible about how you respond. The only person that's responsible in how you respond or how I respond is you or me. But sometimes we get help. Oh, maybe I should have done that differently. Now this is on me because they're not responding, because their lives aren't changing or because they're not. God wants to bring you freedom this morning. What you're responsible for, I had a brief conversation with Sheila this morning, is to tell the truth, the real truth. Not a shifted truth, not a truth that fits people's understanding of their life, the truth of God. Are you, are you hearing me this morning? You've got to stand on the truth. How people respond, how people live after that is not your responsibility. We have a responsibility for our kids. But there gets a point where our kids make decisions for themselves. As much as I don't want my boys to get into certain things and do certain things, and again, I'm not confessing that, but there comes a point they make choices. And the devil's going to tell you you're a bad parent. 
This devil's going to tell you, you should have done this and you should have done that and you should have done. The devil's a liar. Just because that child goes off in a certain direction does not mean that it's your call, that it's your fault. Maybe there's some things we have to hold our hand up to. But if you have stood on the truth, and it doesn't matter whenever you got to that truth, because even if you weren't saved when you had kids and your kids are older now and you are saved now, you're standing on the truth. You have to say, God, I've got to leave them to you. Because people will tell you, the devil will tell you, you're a bad parent. You're not a bad parent. If you're standing on the truth and trying to live the truth out. Rick Warren has a great way of putting this, that this is the Atlas Syndrome. Syndrome. You're acting as if your whole world rests on your shoulders. Just carrying everything. Only carry what you can carry. What you're supposed to carry. It's other people's responsibility to carry their things. Do we need to help people? Yes. Do we need to try and lighten the load? Yes, we do. As a parent, you want to lighten the load for your kids. You don't want them to make some of the mistakes you've made. But it's their responsibility. You maybe feel that you have to make sure everything turns out all right. You have to hold everything together. I have to work everything out in this situation. And if it's not down to me, it's got to be down to me because I've got to make this work. And, and we're facing burnout here. Because we put a pressure on ourselves that's not our pressure to carry. Well, I hope he does well in his exams. I want my boys to do well in their exams, but if they don't work, they're not going to do well in their exams. And it doesn't matter how many times I call on Almighty God, if they've not put the work in, he's not going to give them A's or whatever they are now, ones or whatever they are, I don't know, twelves, I don't know. So I can't carry that pressure. I hope my boys do well in school. There's certain things I can do. I can help them read at night. I can help them try and learn. Well, Jen does the English. But when it comes to things like exams and stuff like that, I can't sit in that room and take the exam. I can't say, Lord, I know Reuben, you know when it comes to homework, Lord, he's a, he's a little bit, let's just say it, lazy. But, you know, when he, when he just turns up for the exams, if you could just make sure that he gets all these A's, I'll make sure that boy serves you for the rest of his life. But we make these deals with God. God said, I can't give him A's if he's not worked. But we carry the pressure. We feel we've got to carry the pressure. I have to make it work. I have to work it out. But this is a burden. And these burdens that I talk about are burdens that God has not designed for you to carry. There are a lot of things in your life that are out of control, maybe. You're never able to control them. Maybe some things in your life aren't for you to control. But we worry about them. We carry them. And I'm not saying we don't have worries. I'm not saying we carry stuff. We don't carry pressure. Yes, we do. But the things that we pick up, we shouldn't pick up. 
Am I worried about gas and electric? Yeah. But what I also know is, my God said he would supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. So, I've got to live it. Now, it doesn't mean I'm going to have the heating on 24-7, but if we want the heating on, the heating's going on. Not because I'm worried about how am I going to pay for it. I've got to take care of that. Because God says, I look at the birds, take care of them. Look at the flowers, they're beautiful. And I'll take care of you more than I will of them. And we carry some of these pressures that we shouldn't carry. Some stuff that we do, we should carry the responsibility in on. But what we start doing, we underrate our work. Third thing I want to mention. This is some signs that you might be heading towards burnout. We exaggerate out our problems when we're heading for burnout. We exaggerate out problems when we're heading our burnout. What am I saying? Let me emphasize this. Let me just explain that. We overemphasize what's wrong in our lives, don't we? We ignore God's blessing in our lives. We only focus on the negative rather than the positive. We see the cup as half empty, not as half full. If you're always focusing on the negative in your life, if that's all you ever look at, if you're always putting yourself down, you've got that tape going round and round and round, you're always seeing everything negative, you're setting yourself up for burnout. If everything in your life is negative, you're on your way to burnout. Or might be in burnout. There's something positive in your life, even if you're right in the storm. But we go to this negative place. And this is what happened with Elijah in verse 10. He says this, I am the only one left and they're trying to kill me. Can you hear the pity parties having here? We like to have pity parties in England, don't we? We love to have a bit of a pity party about ourselves. God, I'm the only person in the whole world who lives for you and loves you and they are trying to kill me too. Just a few days earlier, there'd been this great miracle where Elijah prayed, the fire came down from heaven, it was a big miracle. The whole nation saw it, the whole nation came to God in one day. That kind of thing will wear you out emotionally. Positive things or negative things, they will wear you out emotionally. And we see... The next day, he's so negative. Just had a massive win. And we see because he's lived in this high of the emotion and, and the low of the emotion, and that's where we live, we, it's emotionally draining. And we see here, he's now drained emotionally, spiritually, physically. He can't even focus on reality. Sometimes things get so bad for us, we can't focus on reality. And then we make up a different reality. We can't afford to make up false realities. We have to keep standing on the truth because the truth of God is the truth. Whatever the reality you think it is, what's the truth saying? And we see Elijah and we get like this. We can't get the picture right. Have you, have you ever been that tired? Have you ever been so worn out that you can't think straight? This is what's happening to Elijah. You can't see what's really happening. And you think the whole world is against you and caving on you. The sky is falling. Maybe you're just in a bad mood. Maybe the sky isn't falling in. Maybe you've got out of bed the wrong way today. Or maybe you've... 
Are you understanding what I'm saying this morning? Are you catching some of what I'm trying to say? When you're drained, fatigued, you don't seem to see reality as it really is. And this is what Elijah's doing. I'm the only one God that's trying to do the right thing. He's just forgotten that a few days earlier, the whole nation turned to God. In fact, God tells him a little late in chapter, uh, chapter a bit further on, Elijah, there were 7,000 true believers, even when the nation went wrong. These people were doing what you were doing. We're serving the Lord. God's trying to say to him, you're not the only one. And when you're working these situations, there's a lot of good that's going on and people that are going through a similar thing. And God's saying, you're not the only one. There's people going through it as well. There's people walking this journey. There's people. There were 7,000 other ones even before the big revival. Amazing. And then he says on the top of that, his, his pity party's getting really bad. They're trying to kill me. It sounds like the whole world is after him. It wasn't the whole world. It's just one woman. Now, hear me right, fellas. <laughs> if one crazy woman is after you, it is like the whole world is on top of you. I, I understand. It's just one crazy woman. One crazy queen who's power mad. But oh no, my whole world is... The world is against me. And sometimes we get like that when actually it's just one situation in a whole of good and a whole of blessing. So he's over-exaggerating the problem. And this is what happens when we're heading towards burnout. We over-exaggerate the problem. This is the third cause of burnout, emotional reasoning. Emotional reasonings when you listen to your feelings rather than the facts. Your feelings are going to get you in trouble. Don't go with your feelings. They're going to get you in trouble. You focus on how you feel rather than what's reality. What's the truth? Emotion rising goes like this. I feel it. Therefore, it must be true. We've got to learn that our emotions lie to us. The little beggars want to catch us out. So because I feel it, it's got to be the truth, hasn't it? No. Ask any professional athlete or performer or musician, he'll tell you they feel very discouraged after a great performance. They are so drained emotionally. The adrenaline, the fatigue, they're thinking, I didn't do too good, but that's not the reality. In fact, they probably did a pretty good job. We hit the high and we hit the lows. Something kicks in about, oh, I'm not sure if that was the best. I'm not sure. And we have to learn to be a mature person to ignore your feelings sometimes. Feelings can be wrong. Feelings are highly unreliable. Imagine if I went back to Jen and said, I don't feel married anymore. No, babe, listen to me. I don't feel married anymore. I know my beautiful wife and the wisdom that she's going to say. What are you talking about? If you like it or not, you are married and you have responsibilities. Can't just because my feel I don't feel married today. Do you know what, Jen? I feel like I don't love you anymore. My feelings are going to get me in trouble. 
your feelings are going to get you in trouble. She's going to say to me, we're married. Get a flipping grip and get in the spare room. I know. In the shed. But see, your feelings are going to get you in trouble. You ain't getting any dinner. Because people think Sheila puts you in the shed. That's even worse. No shelter. <laughs> Here's the truth. And you're not going to like this truth, some of you. Some of you came to church today saying, I don't feel God's very close to me. I don't feel close to God. I don't feel God's close to me. You're wrong. God is just as close to you as those spiritual highs as you felt in the past. Interestingly enough, God doesn't move. We seem to move. The Bible says, if you're a Christian, Christ in your heart is inside of you. He lives within you. He puts his spirit inside of you. He never leaves you. The only thing that changes is your feelings. We sing a song and feel close to God. Then on Monday morning, you wonder where God is. He's in the same place he was when you sang the song. He was with you. He hasn't backed off. He hasn't moved. Are you hearing that this morning? He hasn't backed off. He hasn't moved. When you feel disconnected, he hasn't moved. You can't listen to your feelings. Your feelings will stitch you up. Every time your feelings will stitch you up. And I know we emphasize in society we should be in touch with our feelings and maybe we should hit some more trees and all that sort of... I'm for it. We have to be in touch with our feelings because it helps us move forward, helps us to deal with things. But our feelings will stitch us up. What is the truth? It's the truth that reveals true reality in your situation and in your life. God's truth. I'm excited this morning. Ooh. It's interesting, isn't it? Word of God says it's the truth that will set you free. The truth of God, not your feelings that will set you free. Feelings will not set you free. The truth will set you free. It's the key to liberation in your life from any hang-up, hurt or habits. The truth will set you free, but first, it will probably make you miserable. We don't like the truth. What's that film? You can't handle the truth. I want the truth. You can't. I'm wasted here. I should be in Rada or something. <laughs> wasted as a pastor. We all say, give me the truth, Rob. Give it me. Give it me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but we don't like hearing the truth when Rob gives me the truth. How dare you? How? How? But when we ask somebody to give us the truth, allow them to give you the truth. You might not like it. You might get miserable. You might not like them for a while. But it's the truth that sets you free. So keep delivering the truth. I said earlier, you're not responsible for how people take it. You are responsible for how you deliver it. Lovely and gracely. Lovely and gracely. Should we just go with love and grace? Because that's a better word, I think. This is why Jen teaches the English. <laughs> We've got to face the truth. We don't like facing the truth. 
And do you know what happens when we don't like facing the truth? We just throw bombs, don't we? Can I tell you the truth? Oh, let me tell you about you. <laughs> oh, you give him. <laughs> Did you? Because we're trying to deflect it from us. But sometimes we've just got to hear the truth. We've got to swallow it and we've got to say thank you and we've got to do something about it. Don't know what to do with about it? Then get close to somebody that knows how to help you. We don't like facing the truth, but it's the truth that sets us free. And it will make you miserable before you get free. And maybe that's why we don't like to deal with it. But I prefer to deal with truth and live in freedom than deal in a false reality that leads me into lies. The most damaging consequence of burnout is this fourth one I want to mention. You abdicate, or I abdicate, our dreams. You lose your vision when you start to burn out. You forfeit your future. You forget your goals. You basically want to give up. You're so emotionally, physically, spiritually drained. You just want to give up. What happens? You stop caring. You stop caring. Notice that Elijah said he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. He said, stop kill me and we stop caring this happens in our relationships all the time if you're in a relationship where you constantly have conflict pretty soon you start draining dry of love and energy can I tell you how many times in ministry I've heard and Pastor Mark has probably heard this many times I just don't love you anymore I wish it was as simple for me to love Jen just with this emotion of bum diddy bum diddy bum diddy bum and it's all passionate and it's all exciting it's all for me to love Jen means I have to die to myself every day for me to love Jen I have to do things I don't like doing for me to love Jen I need to understand where she wants to go what she wants to do and and vice versa It's a commitment. I'm not choosing to walk away because but I hear a lot. I just don't love them anymore. There's some days you will love your spouse and there's some days, is this going out on tape? Yes, it is. You want to strangle them. I'm going to change my love for Jen. Am I the only one? Sounds like it. I, I know some of your relationships and marriages and I know you want to strangle your so I know I'm not on my own. But I don't strangle her. This is my point. I don't strangle Jen. Because she's probably stronger than me. No, I don't strangle Jen because I choose to love. I choose, even though it's going to hurt me, even though it's going to make me miserable, I'm going to work this love through. So tomorrow when I feel I don't feel like I want to love her, I won't. But what am I going to do? Jen, pack your bags, love. I don't love you anymore. I think it'd be the other way around if I ever say anything like that. <laughs> but I'm going to choose to love her. You know, when she irritates me later, it's probably more chance that I'll irritate her later. But we choose to keep loving. Keep to working it through. Sometimes last year and early last year, we've had to dig deep. Because the easy answer and the world's answer is we walk away. But God says, no, you are called for something greater than that. You are called to live differently. And you might have a partner 
who's not a Christian. Be the spiritual head. Love better. Love greater. Love deeper. It takes more than love. It takes commitment. It takes character. It takes integrity. It takes maturity. It takes unselfishness to make a marriage work. Or any relationship at that. If you think your marriage is going to get through just on love and good looks, wow. Luckily for me, I've still got my good looks. <laughs> Sometimes we get into relationships, we feel like I'll only talk to you when I have to talk to you. That's not the way to live. That's not the way to have a marriage. It takes commitment. But you see, in this, we abdicate our dreams. We give up on certain things because our life is, is just, just being stitched up by feelings all over the place. Elijah said he prayed that he might die. I've had enough. It's not worth it. I'm ready to throw in the towel. I want to die. Maybe at some point or maybe going forward, you've been saying, I'm ready to check out. I'm ready to check out of life. I'm ready to check out of my marriage. I'm ready to check out of my career. I'm just ready to check out. What do you do when you hit that burning point? That's you on the way to burnout, if you're thinking like that. And God is telling you this morning, I don't want you to check out, son. I don't want you to check out, daughter. It might be tough, but allow the God who can to operate into whatever this situation is. Don't be stitched up by your feelings. Get on the truth in this situation. Keep confessing it. God's saying, do not check out. You have value, you have worth. Time's ticking and I, I just want to just mention a few other things. If you're experiencing some of these things, you might be on the way to burnout and you might be in burnout at the minute. Maybe the things I'll tell you now might stop you getting into burnout. Four things God told Elijah to do. And the great thing is, there's hope in this story. And if there's hope in this story, and Elijah was a, a normal man who just tried to speak and stand on the truth of God, there's hope for us. Because we're normal men and women and if we stand on the truth of God, God can bring rest. God can bring change. Can stop us hitting burnout. First thing, massively important, is rest your body. We live in a world where sometimes it's frowned upon because we're having a rest. What are you doing today? I'm busy. Default answer because we live in a world we have to be busy, we have to show worth, we have to. No, it's okay, to, I'm just having a day off. I'm just having rest. I'm, I'm going to go and play golf. You what? You're going to go and play golf? Yeah. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to. But what about. What about whatever? Just. It's okay to rest. I'm voting for we bring back like 
siestas or something here. Oh, and that's the best thing I've had all, all morning. Two o'clock, fine prime minister, we're all having a sleep. But why not? Because there's something that says, if I say to Miranda, well, no, not Miranda, she, she's all for it. <laughs> if I say to somebody, what have you done to I've gone for a nap at two o'clock. You what? Why not? Why not? If you can, if you're retired, can I just put this into your life if you're retired? Take some naps. Oh, but I'm, I'm rushing around with this kid and I'm rushing around with this grandchild. And Take some naps. Rest your body. This deals with the physical side of burnout. This is God's first step in his prescription. We see this in 1 Kings 19. Elijah just said, Lord, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. I've had enough. Then he laid down under the tree and fell asleep. And at once the angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and by his head there was a cake of bread. There were hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and he drank and he laid down again to go to sleep. The angel came back, second time touched him and said, get up and eat. I, I love Amazing. So God's first thing God says, if you want to get rest, take some sleep, eat. Do you know what? Have some more sleep. And when you've had a really nice deep sleep, eat. Why would you not want to serve that God? But in reality, let me tell you this, and this is a serious point. Maybe for you to get rest, you need to sleep and you need to eat right. Are you hearing me? Some of your problems will be solved. Some of this haziness, some of this stuff you're struggling with. If you sleep and have a good meal, you might be all right. You might not have to take pills. You might not have to do anything. You might not need to come out for prayer. Just rest, sleep, and eat. Let me get into this. So I don't have this problem. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're not getting rest because you, one, you're not eating the right things or because you're not eating enough. Well, I'm just going to have some tofu and a few beans. I'm not against, I'm a vegetarian. I'm not against vegans and stuff like that. But you are not getting rest because you're not sleeping well because you're not eating well. You're, you're just eating rabbit food. We've got to eat right. I'm not saying, like, get the third portion of chips. Well, maybe I am. But you've got to rest and you've got to eat right. If you fancy McDonald's for every meal, one, it's going to be expensive. Two, eventually, Sean, it's going to catch up with you. Slinky hips, size 30, whatever you are, make me sick. People like you, eating McDonald's all the time. But if we don't put the right things in, I shared the other week, didn't I? A friend had nosebleeds. And he's saying, Lord, would you heal the nosebleed? Would you heal the nosebleed? And then he felt God say, ask me what the root is. The root is, and God revealed this, you are low on iron, you need to eat foods that are going to put more iron in your body. Started doing that. Nosebleeds went, started feeling a lot better. So you need to physically rest. It's in the word of God. Sleep, eat. You've got to be led by the truth. 
And Jen challenges me later, what are you doing? I'm sleeping and eating on the true. Don't you bother me, woman, I'm on the true. See, I'm very brave when she's upstairs. <laughs> See, what I love about this, it's very practical. God doesn't say, when you are depressed, go shopping. See, Elijah is depressed here. This is what he is, he's depressed. He's struggling with some mental health issues. God says sleep and eat properly. I honestly believe if we sleep, we rest, we eat properly, some of these things will be lifted. Do you know the reason some of us are stressed is because we don't eat right? Because we don't sleep right. I've dealt with businessmen and pastors that I only need three hours sleep a night. Good for you, but why are you always right? Why are you always stressed out? Because they're not getting enough rest. He says to Elijah, sleep, eat. <laughs> Second thing, release your frustrations. This deals with the emotional side of burnout, revealing your feeling in the beginning, uh, revealing your feelings in the beginning is the start of healing. You're not going to get well, you're not going to get feeling good again until you learn to express those feelings in your heart that you've been holding in. Now, I told you that feelings stitch you up, but take your feelings to God. Don't complain to other people, take them to God. God, this is the way I feel. What do I do? We see this in 1 Kings 19, 9 to 10. Then he went into the cave, spent the night. God said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, being zealous for the Lord, but, there's always a but, isn't there? Like, I've done this, but there's a, what he says is, God, I've been living for you. I've been trying to do the right thing. I've been a good person, following your plan for my life. But then he unloads in the next verse. He unloads in the next verse. God knows that Elijah, in his burnout, was a basket full of emotions. Sometimes we deal with people who are a basket full of emotions. Sometimes we are a basket full of emotions. So he says this, Elijah, spill your guts. Blow off some of your steam. Tell me what you're really thinking. Tell me what you're really feeling, what's bugging you. Get it off your chest. And we see in the next few ch verses in chapter 19, Elijah does that. He says, there are six things that are bugging me. In the first place, I'm afraid, I'm bitter, I'm angry. On top of that, I'm lonely. On top of that, I'm worried. And on top of it all off, I am depressed. He didn't say these words, but this is what he's saying. No wonder he was burning out. Very similar, we have those six emotions churning around our lives, our hearts. And if you've got that going on, you're obviously going to burn out. God has massive, massive shoulders. Massive. Huge. God wants you to ventilate. Do you see what I did there? That's a word, isn't it? It should be ventilate to him. He wants you to ventilate to him. Why? Because he's got broad shoulders. Come on then. I know when Jen's had a bad day at work because she wants to ventilate. And I think as a man I want to fix it but I've learned just to shut up. 
I love you, you need to do this, do this. She doesn't want to know 27 points of how to fix her boss or the situation. She just wants me to listen because she wants to ventilate to somebody that she trusts, somebody where it's not going to go anywhere else. So I just take, well, let me tell you about, let me tell you about, not gossiping, she's just trying to get it off her chest before she kills someone. Ventilate to God, he's got broad shoulders. But I'd also say this as well. Ventilate to somebody that you trust. You hearing me this morning? To somebody you trust. Don't go and tell the whole world your business. Because not everybody is really happy about your business and not everybody's out to do the best by you. They're going to use your business against you later on. Ventilate to the ones that you trust. Vince rings me often. Normally to moan about Jen. Vince rings me and says, I need to talk to you about this. Because this is going to happen if I don't talk to you. Safeguard him, he says. Ventilate to somebody that you trust. Somebody that's got your best interest at heart. Somebody that is looking at things with a clearer perspective. Somebody that's going to say to you, get back to the truth. Not your reality. Get back to the truth. Somebody you can trust. Somebody that's going to help you de-stress. But it's got to be somebody you trust. Go to God, offload it. Somebody that you trust. Number three, refocus on God. Get your eyes off the problem. Get your eyes fixed on him. Sometimes we're so aware of the problem. It's just honors and honors and honors and honors and honors and honors. Refocus on God. The more stressed I feel, the more busy I feel, the more I know I've got to go to God. Because I'm going to find rest. I'm going to find the answer that I'm looking for. Elijah went on his own for a while, but then he had to refocus with God. And you see what happens is, is God sends him out to have a look and stand on the mountain. There was a powerful wind and there was a, an amazing thing that port, tore the mountain apart, shattered the rocks. And the Lord was not in the hurricane and he wasn't in the earthquake. But the Lord was in this quiet voice. He says, I can do the spectacular, but I'm doing more in the quiet whisper than in the spectacular. We need to understand that in our lives. We're always looking for the spectacular. He's already whispering in our ear. He's already guiding us. He's already leading us. If we refocus to God. We love to be in control, don't we? I believe God was taking Elijah out and say, I'm in control. Look at this. Look what I can do. But I'm not doing that now. I want to whisper. And God, we don't like this word. God wants to be in control of our lives. He wants us to be focused on him, on his truth. If we're focused on him, he said, I can, I can work with that. I can do something in the quiet whisper. I can, I can bring you rest. God is well able to bring you the rest that you're looking for. We've got to understand that God is in control. So that means we have to go to God on our situation. Whatever the situation is, we have to go to God. 
just like Elijah. We're human. We're not superhuman. We focus on God. Get your eyes off the problem. Sometimes it's hard, but then it gets along somebody who you trust to help you lift your eyes off the problem. Because they'll always go back to the truth. And if a friend comes to you, this is why you need the word of God in you. It's the truth that's going to set them free. God says, I want you to focus on me. I've got the power. The more stressed you get, the more time you need to spend with God. Last year was bad for me for many, many reasons. And I felt I was getting close to burnout. Some things I had to do, some things I had to change, some things I've had to change and continue to change going forward. Some things came onto me that wasn't because of me. Do you know why I randomly found real rest? I had to get with the Lord. I had to refocus. I had to sleep. I had to start eating properly again. I was going through situations with stuff. I was working so many stupid hours. Wasn't eating properly. Wasn't doing this properly. Wasn't. Sometimes I just had to sleep. I had to refocus with God. And, and I did what I, I just slept. I didn't feel guilty about sleep. I just, I got it. Lord, you got to hit me. You've got to restore me. You've got to bring rest to me. So refocus. Have good rest. Eat well. And that will help you on the way or get out of the way of burnout. Last thing I want to mention is that as you are working that process through, and I know it's been long today, as you are working the process through of those points that I've mentioned, the next thing I would say, and this is key, if you want to avoid burnout and you want to move out of burnout, if you're coming out of burnout, is to serve others. Now, that can have a double-edged sword, couldn't it? Because it's the serving that could cause burnout because we get caught up in the doing and not the sitting of the feet. But you have to go through the other processes first. Resume serving others. Stop thinking about yourself. Interest introspection all the time starts start thinking about others who are around you how you can help what you can bring how you can put value on them when we're in pain sometimes all we can see is ourselves but if you look around there's always somebody else that needs lifting up somebody else that needs encouraging too Believe it or not, and I'm not trying to say look for this for the sake of looking for this, but there's always somebody worse off than you. Look around. There's always somebody struggling, and you can help them. You can lift them up. And part of facing or, or getting away from burnout is, is to serve and help others. It will rejuvenate your spirit. It will lift you up. I don't know how God does this, and God has an interesting way of how he equates things, but the more you give of yourself, I find God has a way of blessing you back. And Maybe today you've given of yourself. God says, I am no man's debtor. I will bring blessing back, whatever that looks like.
and I give of myself. God says, I'm going to bless you more than you've ever dreamed or imagined. You see, and when we walk through these processes, and this is where I'm going to finish, Elijah's walking through this process. When you've come from the other end, God says, I'm going to give you a new assignment. In 1 Kings 19, God gave Elijah a new assignment. He said, go back the way you came to the desert, desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel, Jehu, Elisha. He said, you're going to do ministry with buddies now because you were never meant to do it alone. I honestly believe we are not here to do it alone. If you're isolated, start connecting. If you're struggling with some stuff, start connecting. Because we are stronger together. We're better together. And we see God says, right, pick yourself up. You've slept your bed. Done some stuff here. Serve some people. Now go and live with people. Look after people. See, you might be thinking this morning, I've got, I've got burnout. Well, I do believe, maybe not explained it the best way I could this morning, but I do believe through God there's a way out of that burnout. And what I do believe is that God is well able. He, that nobody, whatever situation, is out of his reach. And maybe you're thinking this morning, I'm going through burnout, I'm going through this. There's no future for me. In God... Hear this, and I'm going to finish here. In God, there's always a future. Maybe one person needs to hear that. Maybe more than one person through needs to hear that. Understand this. In God, whatever your situation is, whatever you've done, wherever you've walked, whatever you're feeling, where you're at burnout, if you go through some processes, in God, there is always a future. Do you know, if you're in a place of sin, if you repent of that sin, there's always a future. Burnout, there's a future. A future of hope, a future of joy. Oh, man, there's more I can say, but I'm going to stop. Why have I taken so long to preach this? Because I want us to understand that, that rest is important. Could I have dropped some of the points? I could have, but I think we've got to understand that we've got to physically rest. We've got to refocus on God. We've got to do stuff with people. We've got to offload to God. Oh, Jesus. Would you bow your heads to me? If you're struggling this morning walking through burnout or on the verge of burnout, just grab one of our leaders and they'll, they'll talk to you. They'll pray with you. I'm not going to have a big appeal this morning where you come out. Just grab one of them. Before I pray, just what's the Holy Spirit saying to you in this word? Where do you have to realign some things? Jesus. Father, I pray that you would help us to 
understand and to avoid burnout in our lives. And if we're in that place, Lord, would you help us to be healed, to be whole again? Father, just let us respond to your truth. Because, Lord, we, we know and we preach this and we say it, but, do, Lord, do we live it? It's the truth that sets us free. Father, that we would understand your truth and live in freedom, Father God. Thank you, Lord, that you are well able to put us on a new path for, for your glory, for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.